We are a few days into a new month, and uh, this, is, this is a month that is in many ways unlike others. There are more people who are t- referring to the month, there are more people who are searching the month, there are more people who are making predictions about what will happen in this month. Dare I say that there, there are some people who are attaching uh, wagers to the predictions about what will happen in this month. Uh, Las Vegas is interested in the month of March. This month makes some people, what do they say, mad? And, and, then, and then, of all of that, there's something about the month of March, there's something about the month of March that, uh, that, has, some, that has some travel motif to it. People refer to, um, ooh, I found that. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you want to speak at any time, you're welcome to. We travel through March, and some folks are paying attention to what they call the road to the final four. You know what I'm talking about? Now, and this doesn't apply to everybody. I know there's a, there, there, there's a whole f- bunch of folks in here that, um, that, uh, that, that aren't interested in basketball. I went a couple weeks ago to, um, to the Warner Robins uh, men's game and, uh, and women's game. I guess they're boys and girls, aren't they? Um, the boys and girls games that, uh, that Warner Robins um, hosted uh, down at Veterans. Um, and they won those games, and then they lost, I think, this past week. Um, but, uh, but, but there's something about this season that, uh, that reminds me of what it's like to, to travel, to travel. You, 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 many of you know that, um, that for a part of my life, uh, March came, and with it, it was added complexity. As the, uh, as the equipment manager uh, in college for the basketball team, I would travel uh, for four months. This, is, this was the last three years of my, of my college experience. I would travel for four months, but those trips were... Were, were easier than what happened in March. See, for, for a regular road trip, a basketball team, uh, a, a manager of a basketball team, has like my job was to make sure that, that, that other people had what they needed when they needed it. That's what it meant to be an equipment manager, right? To have what another person, you know, to have what they need when they needed it. And so whether it be like shoot around or practice the day before or the day, the day of, or whether it be film the night before to make sure that we had all the right equipment and have it set up. And, and then, of course, when the game came, that was, that, was when, that was when all of, you know, all of it was on the line. You, like they had to have the right jersey and the right pair of shorts and the right pair of socks and the right undershirt to go along with the shoes that they would carry themselves. They had to have all that stuff right. And now, that was hard enough. That was hard enough to keep up with the stuff of, for 12 other people and coaches and stuff. But then when you get to the season of March and the tournament... And basketball is sort of unique this way, that, that a basketball team will travel and not know how long they're going to be gone. Think about this. I mean, like, like, like in March Madness, a basketball team travels and plays on maybe a Thursday or a Friday, but if they win, they've got to play again on a Saturday or a Sunday. 
And so it just added, it added, oh, I've got to carry another set of uniforms and another set of this and another set of game film. It was just adding to it. And here's the thing, here's the thing. Let me, let me tie everybody else back in. It, 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 this concept of traveling and not knowing how long we're going to be gone and not knowing what we have to prepare for applies to all of us, Right? I mean, how many summer trips have you been on that you had not nailed down when you would return? How many summer trips? And, and, and we all know what that's about, right? It's like, I couldn't imagine five days with these four people, but, but so it might be a three-day trip, you know? Or maybe if we actually like each other, it might be six. You just don't know, right? And, and, and in a sad way, how many of us have gotten the call that someone's sick? That someone's not doing well and, and that this might be the last time to visit them. And so you go and visit, but you don't know how long you're going to stay because you don't know what you're going to find when you get there. You know what I'm talking about? I, l- I learned that from my grandparents. For probably the last 20-something years of my grandparents' life, my grandmother used to tell me that, that every trip they ever took, they would pack each themselves funeral clothes. And I was a kid, and I was like, that is so morbid. That's so sad. And maybe it's, maybe it's, maybe it's the life of a retired Methodist preacher, but, uh, but they didn't want to be, they didn't want to leave home here and travel here and then get a call that says, we need you to attend or do a funeral here and realize they couldn't get back. And so they would just pack extra stuff for the trip. What, what is it about packing that, that, that drives home. There's stump, some stuff that we have to take and then some stuff that we, that we don't have room for. Have you thought about that? There's some stuff that, that we can't carry because we don't have room for it. Jesus, not only Jesus, but even Joseph and Mary early in the Gospels would have known about what it's like to pack for a trip that y- you don't know what to expect. There's this, uh, before we get to Easter, before we get to any of that, let's, uh, let's go back a little bit to, um, to this story early in the Gospel of Luke. I'd love to read just a couple of verses. I've got those queued up, and Tammy will play those um, right now. Just a couple of verses. Go back with me to Luke chapter 2, verses 41 and 42, and you're welcome to follow along in your Bibles or, or on your device. This is, this is early in the story. It says, Each year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. It says, When he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to their custom. According to their custom. You get this sense that this was something that they were doing when Jesus was 12, but they had done it when he was 11, right? Because this was their custom. And they had, done it, they had done it when he was 10 and 9. They had done it all of his life. This is what Jesus grew up doing. He was traveling from their home, that w- which eventually happened in Nazareth af- after they had had to flee Herod to Egypt. And they had come back and they had settled in Nazareth up in the northern Galilee region. But they would travel every year for the Passover, right? And the, and the, and the Passover, uh, it, it, it changed uh, the, the, the dating of the Passover, like our Easter change, it has to do with the, the lunar cycle. But every year they would travel down to that. It was actually one of three festivals that every Jew would travel to. They would travel to the, fest, uh, the, the, pa- the, the, the Passover festival because they would remember that they are a redeemed people. 
And then about seven weeks later, they would travel down for the festival of booths, or also called Pentecost. It was about, it was about 50 days after uh, Passover. And at that festival, they would remember that they were people under commandment. And then in the fall, after this agrarian society had all their, uh, all, you know, all of their crops had come in, they would travel one more time. These mandatory festivals laid out in the Old Testament to the festival of tabernacles. And the tabernacles, they would celebrate that they are a blessed people. See, because for the Jews, they understood that they were redeemed and that they were under commandments and that they were blessed. That's what it meant. And so they would travel on these trips, and that's what's going on here. So at this point in his life, a couple of dozen times, Jesus has made the trip all the way down from the Nazareth to Jerusalem, all the way down from Nazareth to Jerusalem, and Joseph and Mary with him. You remember how the end of this story goes? At the age of 12, Jesus slips off from him, and he finds himself in the temple, and he's engaging with these uh, leaders, these religious leaders, these rabbis and scribes. But Mary and Joseph, what do they do? They go, they head home, and they're, they're, they're going home, and they're, 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 a day, they're, they're a day back on their journey. Only to realize, as they look around the convoy or caravan that they're traveling with, that there's, there's no 12-year-old with them. They're looking around going, how did we lose our son? Imagine what it would be to be Mary and Joseph and realize you haven't lost your son. And, 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 and like the first parental instinct, right? The first parental instinct, and I have it too, would be to say, oh my gosh, what if they're not okay? I mean, that's the first one. But then the next one would be, oh my gosh, like if you're Joseph and you're keeping up with the finances, oh my gosh, I didn't budget for two extra hotel nights. Think about it. Or, or Mary, and she's like, oh my gosh, I expected this to be a seven-day trip with the travel, but now it might be longer. What am I going to wear, right? Because all of Jerusalem has already seen me in this outfit. I can't wear this back down there. Hold on now, seriously. You guys know that that's true. All the ladies. All the ladies. I mean, I'm joking, but I'm not. The trip becomes something that it wasn't expected to be. All because Jesus stayed a little longer, change of plans. The other thing that I'm prompted by at this, and it, it is imagine being a parent, or for that matter, a teenager. Imagine being a parent that's making this trip every year three consecutive times, over and over and over again, and thinking about, Along the journey, where are we going to be able to stop and charge our devices? <laughs> or, or you ask the other question, like, will they have Wi-Fi in Jericho when we spend the night there? No, I'm, I'm being serious. Like, like, will the cell coverage be good the whole trip? They didn't have devices. How many people remember when you traveled and you didn't have something to stare at in your hand on the road. Does anybody remember that? Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. There was, a, there was actually a time, there was actually a time before, you know, the modern era where parents bought expensive devices and handed them to their children and said, now don't talk to me for three hours, right? There was a time before that. I'm going somewhere with this. What, what did you do when you traveled? What did you do when you traveled to pass the time? If it's a two-day trip in the car, if it's a two-day trip 
by foot. What did you do when you traveled? Anybody play games? Anybody play games? Yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember playing Punch Buggy. Anybody play that game? Yes, yeah. And we would head out of town, and there was a VW um, scrapyard there with like 50 Beatles in the... Uh, seriously, my brother and I would just wail on each other for like five minutes, claiming that we had seen that many different cars. It was a bad game if you don't know it. You just hit each other. You play games. I spy with my own, you know. Does anybody, uh, anybody tell stories? What about this? Anybody sing songs when you would travel? Now here's the thing. That's what Jesus would have done. Is they actually sang songs when they traveled. And there's some evidence to this. Now, now hear me. Jesus, one last time, was traveling to Jerusalem with his disciples. It says so in, uh, in Luke 9.51. It says that he, had, he was determined, he had determined that he was going to Jerusalem. One last time. The Bible actually includes these songs. If you've got your Bible with you, I invite you to turn to it. Turn in the middle of the Scriptures, and there you find Psalm number 120. And the fascinating thing that's not captured with, with, our, with the program that we use, the fascinating thing is that, is that when you open up the Bible to Psalm 120, you, you, find, you find the title Psalm 120, and then you find the first verse, but there are words printed in between. And if you've got a Bible, you're going to see what I'm talking about. You can go home and read this. Is that between Psalm 120 and the first verse are the words in my Bible, a pilgrimage song. But in a lot of Bibles, it'll say a psalm of a, or a song of ascent. In some of the Bibles it'll say, a song for going up. And the fascinating thing is that Psalm 120 has this special title to it, and then if you turn over, Psalm 121 has the same thing, and 122 has the same thing, and 123 has the same thing. There are 15 consecutive psalms in the middle of the book of Psalms. 15 consecutive ones that have this special title to it. See, the thing is, Jerusalem, of all the cities in Palestine, was the highest geographically. So every person that was traveling to Jerusalem on that trip would realize that that to get to Jerusalem, it was to go up one hill and then down a little bit and then up one hill and then down a little bit and then up one hill and then down a little bit and then up one hill. Because to get to Jerusalem, you had to go up so that the songs that they sang on the way were songs of going up or songs of ascending or songs of ascent. This is the Jewish songbook. Listen to this. This is the Jewish songbook that Jews, men and women and children, would have sung when they traveled once, twice, three times every year to attend these religious festivities. Let let me put it another way. We're going to read it in English now, but these are the exact same words 
translated from the Hebrew that Jesus would have sung a hundred times as he traveled to Jerusalem. And these are the first words of the first song. They say this, I cried out to the Lord when I was in trouble, and he answered me. Lord, deliver me from lying lips and a dishonest tongue. What more will be given to you? What more will be done to you, you dishonest tongue? Just this. And they imagine what the punishment should be. A warrior's sharpened arrows coupled with burning coals from a wood fire. Oh, I'm doomed because I have been an immigrant in Meshech. Because I have made my home among Kedar's tents. I've lived far too long with people who hate peace. I'm for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. This is the word of God for we the people of God, and we say together, thanks be to God. Now, I have but but a few moments. I want to say this. This first song that they would have sung as they traveled, this first song is a song about choosing. It's a song about choosing. They open with the words, oh, I'm in trouble, because they are beginning to realize that this world and the people that they have surrounded themselves with, they are, they are lying to them and offering half-truths. Have you, have you ever been the one that has looked around the world and said, there's something about the world that's not right. I'm in trouble. If I stay here too long with these people, I'm in trouble. This is what he refers to when he talks about these two, these two names that we don't recognize. Me- Meshach and Kedar, the, these two places. Let me tell you, uh, I had to look this up because I didn't know these places either. Meshach was a real live tribe in southern Russia at the time of Jesus in the, in the, actually before that, in the Old Testament, when these psalms were written. It was over a thousand miles away. This is like the psalmist saying, I have spent too long in a foreign and strange place with people that are not like me. And then Kedar, Kedar was much closer. Right outside of the bounds of Israel was this traveling Bedouin tribe that would move around, but the problem with The problem with the tribe of Kedar is that they were barbarians and ruthless. So so the psalmist is saying, I've spent too much time in a strange place with people I don't know, with people who are ruthless and violent. He says, I speak peace, but all they say is war. I speak peace, but all they say is war. I don't believe, I don't believe the psalmist is talking about the United States Air Force. Hear me. I believe it's a war that rages much closer to home. I speak peace, but I'm surrounded with war. In the same verses that he says, lies and violence, You know, we can be violent with each other and not have a weapon in our hand, right? 
like just the other day when we were saying the thing about the other person and they weren't here and it was okay at first but then you said too much you can you can be violent towards someone and not have anything in your hand you can be violent towards someone and not even put your hands on them lies and half truths and meanness I, uh, I, I've mentioned this story I've, I've just a couple days ago I found myself and it wasn't in a church meeting it was, it was a couple nights ago I don't, think, I don't think anybody nobody in the room really was even there with me but I'm sitting there watching this thing happen in front of me and everything that happens as I'm watching it in my head I'm just seeing bitterness I'm watching this stuff that's happening in front of me, and, uh, and all I'm processing is just, just bitterness. And the thing is, the bitterness wasn't even happening. It, it, it wasn't even related to really what was going on right there, what I'm watching. It was just in my heart. It was something that had happened before. Like, I carried it to the... I carried it to the place. Now, by God's grace, I walked in knowing that this was possible. And I had made a commitment. Keep your mouth shut, Scott. Anybody? I don't always do that. (laughs) Keep your mouth shut. But I know what the psalmist says when he says there's a war. It's not in a far-off land. The war is in my heart. Jesus would have sung these songs, and the disciples would have sung these songs over and over again on these trips as they traveled to Jerusalem. And they're songs of choosing. Because in a way... They are telling us what we already know, and that is that to follow the way of God is to be ready to say no to some things and yes to others. Who's ready to say no to the lies and to the half-truths and the meanness and the violence and even the bitterness? Because as we, as we consider what's needed for this journey, this road to Easter that we are on, are we at a place that we're now aware that not everything is necessary? And there's not room for everything that we've been carrying around. Let's pray. Lord, give us the courage to offer that holy word of no to the stuff that we have no room for, that we have no need for, the stuff that does harm to ourselves and to others.
but remind us the truth that's even found in your scriptures. Lord, remind us that when we say no to a thing, that when we put a thing down, if we do not pick something else up, then Satan will fill that void. Allow us to pick up that which is good and holy, that which is of you. May this season of Lent, even now as we consider what we're giving up and we're following through with it, may we give up and take up. May we put down and pick up all led by your Holy Spirit. Lord, give us the courage to be people who say no and yes at your leading. We pray. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen.